Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve. Joining me once again, it's October. It's spooky season. So you know Sean Glennis is here. Sean, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Um, we'll get into it, but I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is about. It's about opening your eyes to uh, just, just new ways of thinking, of living, of expressing yourself. I feel like you're a whole new man. And my, also my joining us, <laughs> your eyes are open. You might want to close them. Uh, also joining us this week is, uh, it's Adam Myros. Now, Myros, let me ask you a question. All right. A little hypothetical. Uh, okay. I see. All right. So you're, you're talking to this girl, right? Sure. Okay. Seems she far fetched already, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> She invites you over. You go over, things are going well. She flips on the TV, and wouldn't you know it, she's watching a video of a baby seal being butchered again. How many times has this happened to you? <laughs> uh, it would be a first, but, uh, you know, not necessarily a deal breaker. I think it's just, a, you know, a, a point where a discussion might occur, but, uh, I, I, yeah, it's, it's a... It's was, a tough not to. I was really it. giving you uh, an open opportunity here to just rag on the ladies because you know it's a common problem that men face. You know, women be shopping, women be watching seals get clubbed and the skin ripped off their face. It happens all the time. Well, they always want those seal fur coats, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Exactly. Exactly. Even more so now. Uh yeah. <laughs> In case you haven't guessed, geez, uh, Sean is shell shocked. Myros uh, and I are talking about mutilated animals. What in God's name did we watch this week? And I want everyone to know he's not here because I think he's in like upstate New York or some shit. I don't know where he is. Uh, but we're watching the films of Jorg Budgrit this week, a real Jack Eason classic. If you don't know that name, that's okay. Uh, but if the year was 2007 and you were on chud.com reading a list <laughs> that said the top 15 most disturbing horror films ever, chances are you saw a few of these titles. Uh, yeah, one the, in particular, yeah. I would say. Uh, I mean, th th that shit still goes on. It's all over YouTube. There's this stupid iceberg trend that makes no sense to me because it's you would think it, it, with the length of these videos, it might be like some deep exploration of, of the subjects. And it's just like, no, no, disturbing film iceberg just means we're going to read names of films and one sentence synopsis of them. It's like, oh. hey, people really tune in for two hours of this riveting content, I guess. But it's all the same, too. It's just somebody fucking something they're not supposed to, you know? Serbian film, yeah. oh, fucks the baby. Necromantic, oh, fucks the corpse. Come on. Let's, yeah, let's expand our palette. I guess that's unfortunately what uh, Jorg is at this point. Now, although he doesn't seem to mind, he is a necromantic guy. Yeah, and rest assured, he is a lot more than the necromantic guy. But I, I do think, for whatever reason, probably just the, uh, the, the legacy that he's left with it and the notoriety, uh, that's kind of his calling card at this point. I saw an interview with him from a couple years ago and it was after a, sc a screening of Necromantic in L.A. 
And he said that he couldn't believe how many people showed up. He's like, we screened this 20 years ago and there weren't this many people. And now there's more people. And he doesn't understand why <laughs> people keep wanting to watch this. Uh, I'm kind of with Yorg here. I mean, the man's, we, we've got like four of his most prominent, like prime cut films. And uh, the, I, I'd say clearly the two worst are, have the word necromantic. In there. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fun, it's one of those things too, where it's like, you think of that title, you're like, well, I got to make it now. Like it's, how do you, you can't let that go to waste, right? <laughs> well, also the posters look like, they look like it's like 80s, like glossy trash. And it's, like the all four of these movies are like the opposite of gloss. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. But uh the main w- one of my main takeaways from this week uh which was interesting um was that um uh next year I'm going to uh choose the filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's fucked up. This is a really Yorg Boogery move by Jack Eason to yeah. be like, yeah, you guys watch these. I'm going to step away. He <laughs> twists his fucking mustache. Well, uh, this is this was meant to be one of Sean's uh, final tests. It was a real troll move to be like, all right, he thinks he's got it all handled. Let's fucking throw in Yorg Boogery. That's how That's we get true. it. That's mm-hmm. um, And it was, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't not fruitful, so I, I think that we'll have a, a rich conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised going back to them, because you think of them as these shock objects, and there's... So you guys had seen like, them? I had seen, I had seen Shram, and I had seen, you know, I'm well, well aware of a Necromantic, but I had not seen it front to back, I don't think, prior, but uh, Shram is the only one I'd, I'd sat through front to back and was somewhat impressed by, but it also given necromantic's reputation and what i'd seen in shram i wasn't really running out to go right <laughs> but yeah. yeah i i think like returning to it is like what you see is this sort of really psychological interest and empathy in these films that that doesn't belong in what you what you think of yeah with necromantic or or you, you know you lump it in with your like your cannibal holocaust to the world or something where it's just like mm-hmm. you know and this, this is not that. <laughs> no. I, and, and, you know, I, I guess, you know, with, with Cannibal Holocaust, obviously there's like, you know, there's allegations of actual animal cruelty and things like that. And I mean, you, you do get some actual footage in these films of like real ass animals being harmed. Uh, but it's the way that it's framed is different. Obviously, Cannibal Holocaust is like uh, classic exploitation and this is not of that era and it's certainly not of the more modern era of like your faux snuff uh like your your august underground series or even before that the kind of direct-to-video like wave stuff it's it's not kitschy like that either it has a weird sense of humor to it don't get me wrong but this is more art house fair than it is pure shock Uh, but the way that it kind of threads that needle between like goofy and gross out and genuinely funny, but also like serious meditations on, you know, love and death and suicide and all kinds of things. Like it, it's weird how he kind of bounces around between these things. And tonally it's, it's not always all there, but I was shocked going back to 
the the Necromantic series, especially the first. So you one, you had seen these before. I or? I had the only one I hadn't seen was Necromantic two because years ago when I watched Necromantic one, I kind of said, well, I don't know if I need more of that. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, <laughs> watching it again today, I I probably could have gone without it, but it's it's fine. I'm glad that I watched it because there there is, you know, Jack who's not on the show, but we were talking to him off mic about these movies and. Uh, he kept one word he kept coming back to is, you know, there's, there's a real poetry to these films. And I think that's the kicker. Like it's, it, it really is. There's something like kind of beautiful and poetic about what you're watching, even though it's some real vile shit. So yeah. Yeah. On, on its surface, I, I think it's ambitious for a no budget filmmaker to take this tact is like, it's, this clearly feels like a guy who studied film and has, an ethos with with even necromantic which is the most like sleazy i'm gonna make some money on this low budget movie sort of a odd thing of the bunch but it it is it very much feels like you know you're you're talking about necrophilia and it's almost like you could throw in any philia like he wants to make this exploration of of compulsion and what it would be like to live with a compulsion that cannot exist within like proper society and it is it's fascinating and i it feels like you picked the the necro portion of it just because it's it's kind of the most taboo visually <laughs> striking and and visceral and yeah it's a, it's just really interesting when you think about it like divorce from the actual subject matter and as to everything that it could represent and i i think it is yeah, it's a it's a fucking weird ass movie and at times it's it's like too goofy for its own good and at times it's it just doesn't work at all. Uh it's just nasty, but it, it also there's something there. Mhm. Uh, yeah, and I I don't know, like especially with the first Necromantic, I can kind of get the the angst that sh- that you see behind it because I mean, this is like, you know, Berlin Wall is still up. And there's, there's a lot of anger and there's, you could see this like real, like bubbling rage and this artistic desire to really make something that's, you know, going to get them in trouble, but intentionally. Uh, so there's, there's that element to it, but then, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily take away from the, from the, just the beauty of how, of how some of these shots are composed. And it's, it's almost this fun tension that exists because there is this like kind of like juvenile, like, oh, look what I can get away with versus just meticulously framed gorgeous cinematography in this like grainy 16 millimeter. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a trip to watch. Uh, Sean, I'm curious, like coming into to Bougarie with I mean, zero experience, no idea really what you were getting into, I'd imagine. How did you just digest all of this? <laughs> Is that the right word? Digest? Yeah. I didn't know what I was in for, for sure. And I didn't, and I, um, I definitely didn't guess correctly, like, uh, what, what this was going to look like. But I mean, it's, it's because they're so strange, like, uh, not just because of the taboo subjects, but, um, the taboo subjects mixed with like uh i think bukuri has a very strong sense of the image and of and he has a very unique um he has very unique ideas about editing 
And he is also using like uh, often like very pretty, like looping, uh, like poetic, like piano scores. Um, so that all kind of coming together makes this like weird um, alchemy, I guess, of something. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I was I was expecting something that was like mentally disturbing and especially because like I, I, I watched these out of order and I watched Shram first and um Shram was uh basically I think more of along the lines of what I was expecting minus you know some scenes we'll talk about and then as I branched out like the silliness got more uh increased like in in the necromantics as well and um, I joked while watching the first one that uh, that to you guys that uh, it was just like a romance, romantic comedy, because like the first, I don't know, half hour is just kind of like sweet or maybe like 20 minutes. But um, but yeah, I don't know. How did I digest it? I just I just did it and <laughs> got it kind of over with. I mean, the run run times are are um, are uh generous and i it wasn't my favorite week of watching movies it was like <laughs> i kind of just want to watch like actual horror movies um and these aren't really like actual horror movies these are more like psychological and taboo filled movies but um uh yeah i don't know it, it, when i was done i was just kind of like yeah i'm good um i, I don't i don't need but did you watch with lot... friends? Did you, no, did you absolutely invite not. some pals over, some buds? No, um, definitely not. Actually, I was talking to um, Casey about like uh, playing them in public at like at like a certain bars around town, like how they would play. Not that I would want to be there and rewatch it, but um, what people would think about them. Like, I bet you get necromantic going at like Leland C City Club, and you'd be all right. <laughs> Yeah, some some bars I think it could actually fly, but um but like necromantic especially kind of is the locus of like my all of my feelings about him because there's stuff that I really like there and then there's like the ending which I think is just stupid and um is <laughs> obviously like there yeah. it's there for uh it, it, i mean it's supposed to be like provocative and stuff but like i don't know like i think especially on like on one watching and not knowing it's there or whatever um i think i'm just at a point in my life where i just go i you know i i don't really want to see this and <laughs> if i'm not being as considerate about like can like if i'm not considering this text as complex as it may be I don't really care. Like, like <laughs> you know, like, right. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, but, but there is a lot, uh, in here that that's nice. But so I think that this is kind of like the baseline. I think there's some that are, or there's one that I think is worse than this. And then I, I think the other two, um, uh, mm -hmm. have more of what I like in them. Yeah. Yeah. The ending is like kind of this nice microcosm of, of what I don't particularly care for in the necromantic series, even though I, I do think, there are ideas, and I think that they are films that have worth, 
but man, it's just like, I wouldn't say I think the ending is worthless. I think that there is, it's like two things are happening in this ending. There's this whole reverse footage with this rabbit, like being brought back from this butchered state. And it's like this sort of really poignant thing with this man (laughs) mutilating himself and then cut to this fucking ridiculous goddamn like foam penis shooting like oh. shaving cream 10 fucking feet in the air. <laughs> Mount Vesuvius shooting common blood. That's what we need. Yeah, it's like there's this there's this great poetry and it's intercut with the dumbest goddamn thing you'll ever see in your life. And it's like, why? Why have you done this? Yeah, there's the idea. Well, first of all, it's funny um, because I saw like comments online, um, uh, like reactions um that were particular about the uh animal stuff and it's funny obviously it's archival footage it's not like um mm-hmm. he's like yes. commissioning this um and it's funny because after having watched like so many Wiseman movies like this is something that occurs in i would say probably like a tenth of them or if not more uh, something like this, or like there's a scene specifically, you know, of like, 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 uh, wolves being captured and, and stronger. And, um, uh, it's very like stuff just like this. Um, and so I was like desensitized to that. Um, thankfully, uh, and, and I think that once like without having that barrier, I think stuff like the wait is the seal stuff in, in the sequel. That's a necromantic yes, too, yeah. Okay. Yeah, stuff like that, you, I could I could kind of like maybe better appreciate or, or like appreciate people who aren't as thrown off by the stuff that I'm thrown off about, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. But uh, I, I, I think um, there are interesting ideas like Myros was talking about. Like there's stuff about like... Uh, body uh like sensation and pleasure and and like but it it all is it's all about like the subjective uh experience and desire and um and i think that he's really good at that and i think that the idea of the necromantic kind of like is the kind of is like the perfect uh conceit to explore that because it's literally just one person it's consciousness against uh you know a non entity um and so uh you know it's about somebody exploring that without having to worry about another person's consciousness um and that's interesting and which makes for interesting moments in the film and, and poetic ideas but then it's just like it all gets kind of thrown away for me <laughs> Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. I mean, again, there's th- this especially, even though I like this film more than its sequel, I think this par- film in particular is is the most guilty of, it just feels super juvenile at times. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly what tone he was striving for, but at times it works best as like this d- sort of dark comedy because it's just some of the imagery that is meant to be disturbing and that people obviously find very disturbing. Uh, you know, there's a reason this gets mentioned and I I think it kind of depends on how you view films. If you're a sort of person who has this sort of sense experience with films, there's this visceral stuff with these movies where you're like, 
oh, you can't put your lips near that. Oh, God. Oh, God. And if you're the sort of person who is like, can envision the smell and this, <laughs> it, it, I can see how it could get to you. But that's really not how I view film personally. And for me, I'm, I'm watching them nail this fucking ridiculous rotting corpse up on the wall and it's just like dripping shit all over the place and they're like having a fucking uh, a Sunday dinner or something. It's just, it's funny. Mm. <laughs> is it supposed to be? I don't know, but it is. <laughs> and it works on that level. Yeah. I, I, yeah, there's honestly, yeah, like the, the, the more subtle humorous moments like that, where it's just the, the juxtaposition is the funny stuff. I think, I think that works better than some of the, you know, more blunt attempts at humor. But I mean, even just if you break down the plot to its bare elements, it's fucking hilarious. It's like, man, uh, guys, guy gets cucked by corpse and <laughs> his, his woman leaves him and, and he has a mental breakdown. Like it's, it's utterly bizarre. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's so odd to me. And I guess this is part of like, just being in, in the internet era and, and the era of listicles where this is repeatedly put on lists of just like gory and disturbing and blah, 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 blah. I swear to God, anyone who throws on necromantic or necromantic two, where like, that's their mindset or they're looking at the, uh, like the artwork, like you were talking about Sean, which looks like some like eighties power metal fucking album cover. If that's your expectation going in, boy, are you going to be bored to tears? Uh, and and I, it makes me wonder if any of the people that make these lists have actually watched these films or if they're just reading other lists and it's just kind of like feeding into each other or something. Yeah, it's certainly not the one I would call like one of the most disturbing films I've ever seen. I, I think... Well, one of the four could, could fit somewhere on that list and it might be the least like interested in gore of the bunch. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> one of the really funny things about Necromantic is uh, not only does it have Sean's all-time favorite ending with the uh, aforementioned uh, dead rabbit and the Mount Vesuvius dick and the uh, soaring score, but, you know, after seeing that, my first thought, and this was like 10 years ago, and I had it again, I was just like, God damn, I never want to see that again. And, I, you know, one, I, I didn't think that Necromantic really needed a sequel, uh, or it would ever get one, and then, you know, of course there is one, and what does it start with? It's the exact same shot over again. <laughs> just in case you forgot, there it is. Uh, so that was a real joy. Um, oh yeah, we forgot that Necromantic ends with a teaser. <laughs> oh yeah, teases the sequel. Uh, yeah, there's a, it's just a shot of his a freshly uh, dug grave and some woman's shoe just <laughs> stepping out of it as if she's about to, you know, start the sec cycle of necromanticism over again. Which, which indeed does happen, although it's probably not the woman you think it is. No, no. Yeah, the, the sequel to Necromantic, I don't know. I, I, I think one of the things that I really respect about the first one is, again, it has this kind of, you know, punk rock, like, pre-fall-of-the-wall energy to it that helps propel it and, and kind of, I don't know, give a, give a framework to some of the nastiness. The second one, I don't know 
if it has much more to say that the first movie hasn't already said. And in fact, it probably is saying less based on my estimation. Uh, but it certainly is like twice as long. So it's got that going <laughs> for it. And it's got uh, a musical did, number. So did he do that? Was this chronologically the next film? No, I it think was not. actually, no, no this, I, uh, Dare Totus King is before this, but oh, okay. we might as well get the necromantics yeah. out of the way. Yeah, yeah. It, I was going to say, it, it seemed better to talk about those two back yeah, to back than it was to go chronologically. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Any goodwill and interest that I had in necromantic, for me, the, the wheels kind of fell off in the second one. It's more self-consciously jokey, I guess. Like, it kind of knows that it's a bit of a piss take and that it's silly. Uh, but it, it's just, I don't know. It, it feels like it's kind of undercutting itself at points. Yeah. I think the, the main actress is, is like uh, an interesting screen presence. Um, mm. And I actually do think that the, that seal scene is interesting. Um, and, it, you know, it has some like domestic kind of pleasures of like, uh, uh the 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 girlfriend's like uh private life versus you know what what the boyfriend knows about um but this is i was i was pretty checked out by now by this <laughs> by this point um, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's such an odd tone too with especially with this like idea of like the separate lives because it just keeps going on even oh, the guy finds a fucking like necrotic penis in mm -hmm. a fucking fridge and he's like oh, I guess that's normal and then they just continue dating and never mention <laughs> like, they thought it was like a fudge sculpture you know it's it's hard to tell I, she cling wrapped I, I, it it's very very strange but hey, those, she was uh, uh, she was a cutie you know guys will guys will look the other way for yeah for, you uh, know She's a 10, but she keeps a rotting severed dick in her fridge. We've yeah, all been I think there. he has, he has a, a conversation with, with the, another uh, female friend of his after this, this whole necrotic penis incident uh, where he's talking about the problems he's, he might be having with his girlfriend and how he thinks she might be a little disturbed. And he does not mention this penis. All he mentions is that she, she likes him to lay still while they have sex. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, she makes me lay still while we have sex. And also she takes weird pictures of me. And then he doesn't really go into detail about that too much, which is funny because it's like, yeah, she's like posing you like you're a fucking corpse. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, I yeah. don't like these pictures she takes. It's just, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, I think this movie is like a couple scenes that are like really interesting. And I, the the penis in the fridge is is certainly one of them, uh, as is the seal scene we were mentioning earlier. That's a tough watch, but the way that it's juxtaposed with this like group of <laughs> apparent again, I don't know how uh, necrophilia works in this world, but uh, they they seem to be able to find each other quite easily well, even without is, the internet. But didn't you ever watch the Zoo? Well, that was, that I did was what watch it was all about. That. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I I kind of blocked it out of my head. I don't remember the details I, of how I, they got together. How could you forget the the uh, the uh, and what what is it called? Oh, redramatization of the bucket of CDRs being dropped, or sorry, DVDRs being dropped <laughs> in the yard when the cops were showing up. The FBI. 
Uh, once you've seen the real thing, Sean, the <laughs> documentary just doesn't hold up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Anyhow, there's a, there's some sort of a group meetup of, of necrophiles and, uh, this, they're sitting around watching this seal butchery thing. And it's just like framed as this very mundane sort of boring, like fucking past the cheese and crackers sort of get together. And it's, it's just also there's a severed head that's been pulled out of the freezer and plopped in the middle of the room. It's, it's just really bizarre. And this juxtaposition of tone is, I think perfectly in his wheelhouse. Unfortunately, I, I don't even know making, if I would call it bizarre. I felt I felt fucking seen by uh, <laughs> Jorg Bugerai. I mean, how many how many times in my early twenties were you and I sitting around uh, watching something absolutely fucking horrendous, and it's like, oh, here's our roommate and his his girlfriend coming over, and she walks in and is just like, what the hell are you watching? <laughs> this is a scenario, this exact scenario with this, well, not with this seal being murdered, but something equivalent to that has played out for Myros and I probably a thousand times over the course of our lives. It's fair. It's a fair point. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know something about this, like juxtaposition of domesticity and this absurd goddamn fetish, um, it works. Unfortunately, I, again, let's keep these. Yorg is working. Yorg is working magic at seventy minutes. He's not working magic at pushing two hours. <laughs> you know, Steve, we've said enough about necromantic too. I, th yeah. I think we could probably move along to uh, a, a much more interesting film, uh, Dare Todis King. Yeah, which oddly enough <laughs> was made between Necromantic One and Necromantic Two. Uh, because which is wild to me because it's like he he makes this you know shocking film about necrophilia and then he does a serious meditation on death and suicide and then he's like i'm gonna go back to the corpse fuck it after this one but <laughs> yeah maybe that was a monetary decision i i feel <laughs> i don't know because every single interview i've seen with him about uh necromantic and i know it became kind of like a cult you know, video store hit or whatever, but it was mostly like bootlegs and shit. It's not hmm. like he had wide distribution for Necromantic. Uh, I think he said when he made the movie, he's like, yeah, initially, you know, we shot it on 16 millimeter. There was one print. We, we screened it for like 13 of my friends and that was it. So I, I don't know if he had any grand design here other than to try and get deported or put in jail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's amazing. You watch Necromantic and and you can see just so, some of the poetry and, and the gears and the machinations behind the, the grossness. And then you get to the Death King or Der Todes King, if you're a, a good German boy like Myros. And not only do you get some more inspired, uh, I, I guess, provocation, but God damn, this is a beautiful movie it's uh it's broken down into vignettes and i think you could go just one by one and just point out something and you're like this is the most goddamn amazing thing i've ever seen uh it's it's gorgeous like god it starts right at the beginning that fucking composited shot where it's yeah. just like this guy in his apartment and it's well, like even camera centered circling through and it's just like showing different oh, scenes yeah. as time passes and it's like 
it's not a shot obviously it's composited but man it's seamless and it's so fucking gorgeous yeah i wonder if he is um not being facetious here being serious um there's a uh early or there's a 70s um uh chantal ackerman short called the chamber or le chambre or whatever mm-hmm. uh and um, it's just 11 minutes long and it's just a woman in her like uh apartment and that's the whole thing it's just like it keeps circling and she and as she's like doing something in her apartment and this is very similar uh that moment from it and also two filmmakers that well clearly have different sensibilities um are very uh in, in both seem interested in extremely depressed people um so i don't know it's something that is uh worth asking but uh, it would not surprise me again i bootgerit if nothing else he despite being this sort of punk rock transgressive uh, guy and all that seems to be the image he wants to convey but it, it seems very clear to me that he's a real student of film yeah i wasn't sure um uh what, wait so you are you saying that just based on like uh watching the text themselves or i am know? i'm not I, yeah. i'm not out here doing research sean with that's for suckers no. i'm yeah. just saying you, that yeah. based on like <laughs> something like shram which like is like taxi driver basically yeah i, I can't yeah. see some guy just like kind of coming up with a lot of this stuff without understanding the medium well, and and a lot of visual technique and, and it, yeah it's studied what film is it that has the video store in it? That is this film as well. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, and and that's a funny, that's a funny scene because, um, well, one necromantic is in this is in the shot a mm-hmm. couple times, mm-hmm. um, but of all the the videos on the on the shelf, but um, there's a, there's a varied taste on display there. Um, you know, like you got like Hannah and her sisters next to like something like uh hitler uh some you know these movies that that like he's obviously organizing it as like a tapestry um mm-hmm. as a filmmaker not just like wandering into a video store uh, yeah. i can't remember what else is there but there's a bunch of uh interesting stuff no um, this, so, this is yeah, really it's right. like it's uh you know he's got he's got some real optimism vaccine taste i don't know what that says about us but uh yeah he's got the, <laughs> the you know the bergman next to ilsa she wolf of the ss <laughs> Well, and, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, again, not knowing anything there about we his, lie. <laughs> yeah, not knowing really anything about his actual education, but th- you could say like, watch a Tarantino film, and it's it's very studied and has a vast understanding of film. Not not that he went to film school, but that he has certainly researched and greatly understands the visual storytelling of of film. Yeah, if he's not yeah. just a provocateur who's like, I'm going to use this medium to fuck around. Uh, yeah, he's there's there's a real love and and reverence for cinema and. Uh, the, the video store, I mean, aside from the actual display that he kind of pans across, uh, he actually does in, in the next scene, he does like a little remake. And I guess for this particular scene, he just wanted to use footage of Ilsa, she wolf of the SS, but it's illegal to show that movie in Germany. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he couldn't use the footage and, but he really wanted to, cause he's like, Oh, this is going to be Not very know, transgressive of him. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to steal this, and, uh, you know, very Bruno Mattei, I'm just going to steal this movie, put it in my movie, and then hopefully get arrested. But he couldn't do that, so essentially he just kind of, like, staged his own 
interpretation of a Nazi exploitation movie within the movie. <laughs> and Yorg, he's like, well, if I've got to shoot it, we might as well shoot a uh, close-up uh, penis being dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen, like, over the course of a week, I've seen so many mangled dicks. Like, my, <laughs> my brain is just a, a bird's nest of tangled, severed Well, penises. you're usually just seeing the one, right? Yeah, usually it's it's just the one guy every day. I'm like, there's there's the dude. That's the one I'm used to seeing. Now it's just everywhere. Uh, but yeah, it's you know, of course we got to get the hedge clippers to the dong. So uh, you get that in there. But uh, yeah, that's when I get out the ten second button. <laughs> you get the point. You get the point. Uh, well, but, it's not a cartoony penis trap like uh, Necromantic. This this one's like, oh boy! Are they yeah, cutting this man's dick off? Some, someone this, didn't um, sharpen his blades. <laughs> this movie is is much better than than the previous two. Um, it, it achieves like uh, a certain level of sincerity that I really like, and I mean, while having this this like playfulness to it. That doesn't seem they don't seem at odds uh, here, um, but uh, it achieves again like this a purer sense of this subjectivity. And I was talking when we were talking offline um, uh, with with Jack, the absentee, um, about how this reminded me of Todd Solon's films, who I'm I'm particularly fond of. Um, uh, because I like I also had a similar reaction to some of his films when I first watched them that like kind of like eye rolly like provocateur stuff um, and have since like come to appreciate them on a, a much deeper level. Um, and I think that like <clears throat> Myros is saying about um, Bougarette, there's a there's a level of um, of uh, empathy. And I think that here there are some real standout vignettes where empathy really is like especially the woman who's looking through the window is like probably my favorite one um because it can it contains all of his his uh, strongest qualities i think uh the framing is just like absolutely stunning um but like you get a sense of 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 loneliness and uh depression um there and w without like the silliness curdling that um Although I do think as the film goes on, like, I don't really need to watch a guy, I, you know, you see the guy in the tub or in his bathroom on the floor and I go, hmm, I wonder if he's just going to like wrangle in pain for the next five minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen. It's like, okay, you know, this is, this is uh, more effective when I was connecting with the, the, the characters within the vignettes. I could see that entirely. I just... I don't know. This movie really weaves like a, a really rich tapestry that I, I had not seen this one. And immediately after watching it, it's one of those films that hit me in a way where I'm like sitting through the end credits, like just kind of watching it, you know, just existing in this space a little longer with this music. And it, it mm -hmm. just, it really worked. I think it's, uh, I'm surprised that it's not like some staple of goth culture here, because it's, it's kind of got <laughs> everything you want and that sort of thing. If you want to sit around reading uh, Nietzsche and ruminating about death, then get yourself a copy of Dare Todas King, because it's fucking great. Yeah, and um, 
you can also have a you know watch a conversation about period sex. There you go. Mm-hmm. And that, that that is an oddly again. I I wouldn't call anything I've seen from Butker like dialogue centric. But you know, if you talk about Tarantino, that's it's it's an oddly stylized like bit of dialogue that it, it's like it's, a monologue. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite engaging in, in a way that's unexpected and certainly distressing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's it's just. There's so many things this movie's doing. It's jumping all over the place. It goes from this like languorous like exploration of this guy's last days before he decides to kill himself, and that it cuts into that movie store thing, which is just like this big shock spree killing thing where a fucking like, edge lord punk rocker like hangs a, a picture frame over his mother's brain splattered on the wall or something, and then. It, it you know soon after it's cutting to this thing like segment that's just like super experimental where it's just like shots of a bridge with just like oh. names where oh, you just yeah. kind of have that, to that like figure out what segment. the fuck's happening that was my favorite yeah. segment is it, you know that. it's like if you think of the whole thing is just like yeah just kind of like framing like death but also you know it's it's really suicide and you get this kind of it's not even shaky cam because I, I was trying to figure out how he did some of the things in, in this movie. And I, I guess he, you know, he, he had, he had concepts and ideas for each of the, of the different vignettes and he had just like big ideas of how he wanted to shoot it, but he didn't have any idea of how to execute it. And a lot of the stuff you're seeing, like a lot of the, you know, the, the tracking and stuff you would traditionally use like a, like a, uh, a track system or something and he didn't he didn't have access to that because that cost a lot of fucking money he couldn't even afford a fucking tripod most of the time and so i i guess what they did was they used a lot of uh like ropes and pulleys and they would just like hang the camera like literally tie it on a piece of rope and just kind of like shove it and so the in my opinion the best example of this is in this this bridge vignette where you know, it, it almost feels like you're in first person, like watching someone as they're contemplating jumping off of this traffic bridge and the way the camera moves, how it, it has these like sweeping movements that are that aren't quite steady. It's, it's really visually arresting. And God damn. Yeah. If you want something that's just like super obtuse, but still packs an emotional wallop, that that bridge segment is a fucking gut punch. That's when this jumped from like, Oh, this is really good to Holy shit. This is something really special for me. Right. Yeah. And like, I guess that segment Sean's highlighting is the last one. And that's a shame. Cause it's really the only one that doesn't work real well. Like even mm-hmm. this, the, the other one we haven't touched on is the first person POV thing where they find like this film reel of this, like a woman, like on a killing spree. And it's, so interestingly shot not just in the use of pov and a secondary camera to show this bizarre goddamn rig but also the way he's playing with like takes like he's using footage in this film and i noticed this again in uh i think it was shram uh is that he uses He's clearly using footage in the edit that is not meant to be live, you know, like he's using 
uh, pre-action and post-cut footage in a lot of these. And the way that that cuts together in this Saturday segment really gives it this bizarre authenticity. And it's just, oh, man, there's so much in this movie that is uh, special stuff, stylistically, as much as content-wise. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I think this is, you know, it, it's probably the best starting point if you, if, but I'm, I'm hesitant to say that too, because it's just like, I don't, I don't know if it gets better than this necessarily, but I, I do think like this movie and Shram, uh, which we're going to talk about in a second here, those are, I mean, th those are really where he's, he's kind of peaking, I think as a filmmaker. I think uh, the Death King is is the best starting point, and then from there you should go to um, Shram, which is the best end point. Yeah, <laughs> but you just stop. and then you should probably just not watch Necromantic, honestly, unless you're really interested. Like again, I, I almost Jack goes super high on on the sequel, which like it's bizarre. I'm kind of glad it's he's not because he's, on, so he's, a, he's a sick little pervert. It's such a limp nothing of a movie to me. Like I I can't even remember <laughs> how it ends, and I, it was the last one I watched. <laughs> Dead on yeah. arrival. Yeah, mm. it's just, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's hard to recommend no. those two movies. Like, just going through this exercise uh, of, of, you know, throwing the four films to Sean. After I watched The Death King, I was like, I feel bad. Like, this is going to, yeah, like, depreciate yeah. his, 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 the impact that this film would have. Like, sandwich you did with all these other things. <laughs> like, just watching <laughs> it alone. It's like, wow. I thought, I thought you meant, like, I, f like... I feel bad after watching it just generally. Cause that's how I felt after watching Shram. Well, yeah, Shram yeah, you're not supposed to feel great. Right. I guess, but it's one of those, it's just like, to me, I felt bad for the way we were presenting these yeah, two because yeah, I yeah. think it, it, it blunts their impact to like watch them all in a row. Like, this. but sure. what is it with the fucking Germans too? You know, you, they, they get this, this, uh, reputation as just being like, you know, uh, meticulously organized and, and, clean and formal and all this but then my only exposure to german people is uh Bugerite and like fassbender and in my mind every single german person lives in a disgusting uh you know one room apartment with yellow carpet and they have the dirtiest feet i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah shram man uh this is yeah this is this is something else it is it is it really is something special like it's it's kind of his, it's, I mean, it is his most conventional movie. It's just straight up like, Hey, what if uh, a serial killer lived in your apartment building? Like that's, that's pretty much it. But then how that plays out, uh, both and, you know, watching how he kills people and how he treats other people. And then kind of the face that he puts on to do, uh, his various day-to-day -day interactions, like a normal person would. It's, uh, it's quite the juxtaposition. And I think it works better than the goofy, like, you know, corpse fucking, even when that, that, it, that can be visually wrestling. But this just seems like more serious and grimy, uh, which is saying something if I'm saying like, hey, watching this bald guy, like fuck a blow up doll is actually like, it, it gives me more of a gag reflex than watching a woman like grinding on a corpse. So yeah, I was going to say this movie is, is just, uh, it's the story of a guy who's in love with his neighbor. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's it. Um, his tale is old as time. <laughs> yeah. I think like the, you've got the, mail in a lot of ways. I, I wonder if I wouldn't have liked this as much if I hadn't watched it first. Um, 
because I because I wasn't quite like you know on the wavelength yet, and so mm. I was still getting there, and and probably get, probably being more generous than I mean, which is not a bad thing. But like, if mm-hmm. I would have watched this fourth, I would have been like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have been as open to it as I was. Um, and this is uh, this is one where the claustrophobia is like really effective um, mm-hmm. of just being in this apartment and. Uh, and there's something about like he's doing this nonlinear editing um, or like there's a baseline that is linear. And then around that, he's kind of going back and forth. Um, and it starts, you know, with like sort of this like bookended thing. And, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of like uh, backwards footage and all this stuff. So uh, while it's 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 technically nonlinear, you're kind of progressing naturally in the middle of the film. Yeah. Um, but it's. uh <sighs> it's it's one where you really do kind of like spend a lot of time in in this person's head and also in their house and in a way that is is like very like ackerman like um but here it's you know serial killing and um uh you know what's the word just like his uh sexual um routine (laughs) Um, trying to find a way to put it i mean there is like the you know mutilation stuff but outside of that Mm -hmm. just like the the regular routine stuff that is is not taboo it's just like it's not pleasant to watch at all Mm -hmm. it's not deviant it's just it's just not pleasant and it's not it's just a guy who looks like kyle gas just fucking a blow-up doll you know that's not yeah (laughs) and it's not flattering um but it's just stuff that you don't usually see on film which i think is a credit to him for doing um and but yeah i mean this is like this is very post taxi driver um you don't see him out in the streets very often but um but also like it's just it it has a beautiful sense of montage and his framing the way he's he's doing like this sort of back and forth or cutting to and from these like sort of uh, abstract images and putting them in is uh it's it's beautiful it's often very evocative mm-hmm. i think claustrophobic is i mean if you had to describe it in one word that's that's pretty much it and i love that you know you would think because most of the movie takes place within the you know the walls of his apartment you would get kind of a sense of the space more but because it's so claustrophobic, it feels like every single room in the house is sort of on top of each other. And you never get that, that the comfort of a, of a sense of space, a sense of like where anything is situated in the home. Uh, so yeah, it's it just, it kind of adds to the uneasiness of everything that's going on from, you know, uh, murder to drugging a woman and uh, taking pictures of her to uh, all the other wonderful things you get to, you get to watch unfold. Well, he pointedly does not murder her, though. I don't know. It's it's oh. it, it's a complex character portrait, and that's to its credit. Again, like Jack had mentioned, and I, he's not the first. I think if you read ten reviews of this movie, nine of them will probably mention Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And to me, this is a, a vastly better film. Like it, it's just, it does have that that empathy that Boot Gary brings to the table, where it's it's like. I don't know. This guy's not like a, a faceless monster, just, you know, horrible things happening to him. It's, it's nothing so reductive as that. It's, it's, and he's a, not trying to like offer, he's not trying to really like offer any sort of like, 
this is what happens right. <laughs> or like mm-hmm. there's no diagnosis it's just uh it, it, it's just depression <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, there's a lot of oddity in this film. This sort of body dysmorphia. It, it's just, it's, it's an interesting but complex tapestry that does not offer any answers. And I, I don't know. And in the end, well, I, and, and who does he kill? Uh, you know, a couple of like right. uh, door to door knocking on his door. I, <laughs> name name a less sympathetic victim. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, well, come on. Who wouldn't? You get pushed yeah. to the brink. Um. I think really his greatest crime was uh, painting over that vintage wallpaper. Mm-hmm. I thought the same thing. It's a beautiful <laughs> pattern. And he just, just whitewashes it like that. Come on. Come on, man. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Henry is... I don't know. It, it doesn't... I guess it, it, you can compare it to Henry in the sense that both serial killers, both kind of grimy movies that don't exactly leave you feeling great at the end. But uh, yeah, this is... It's, it's a lot more humanizing which isn't to say that like oh i'm sympathetic towards this guy it's just like no he's just like he's multifaceted there's more to him he's not just a like a mindless sociopathic killing machine uh there's there's something going on there and uh also i i don't know if bukari really gets everything he wants to like mining this thread but the way that he sort of juxtaposes uh you know luther shram the the serial killer who lives in this squalid apartment and the like rich guys in the big house who hire his his prostitute crush next door to i don't know not have sex with them but do like weird subservient things and make her feel uncomfortable and i i I don't know like by the time you get to the end there's this odd sequence where we're led to believe that she's like murdered by these old men and Shram could have saved her, I guess. Uh, which, which is kind of a, a weird note to end on, but yeah, there's, there's a lot more to his character than mindless murderer, or it's like, Oh, he's a killer, but also like, I kind of feel for him. It's, it's just this muddy gray space in between. It feels more grounded in reality. Yeah. It's not about making you like feel sorry for him. It's about recognizing that he's just a fucking person. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and that this sort of thing can happen <laughs> to uh, not maybe not anyone, but you know, maybe you, you never know. I think that's one of these central tenets that Bootgreet's constantly exploring is this obsession, this compulsion. We don't know what causes it and it, it can take root. <laughs> and what do you do at that point? Can you manage it or are you just going to become something that? can't exist in in you know modern society and yeah that's uh it's an interesting idea to be certain because mm-hmm. well i mean well, it's a real idea but i i suppose that the two things to mention uh technically about this film are there is a shot you can see if you ever watch a trailer for this that's like staggering bizarre tracking shot that somehow like loops over how I'm like what did he build like a fucking roller coaster loop to loop over the guy <laughs> uh it it's fucking incredible uh and a point two being that well this may be like perhaps the least like grotesque of the bunch in in some ways i i mean either this or dare totus king are certainly less like graphic than uh the necromantics as far as like what the imagery they're playing with but this also has 
perhaps one of the most disturbing things you'll ever see in it, in the in the uh the whole foreskin oh, yeah. nail business. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, and this is again, as we mentioned, this is a filmmaker who his calling card is like penis mutilation, and this is, I mean, it's it's a guy. I don't know if if you want a visual reenactment, kind of like the CDs or the or the DVD ROMs in in uh, Zoo. Uh, I guess the visual reenactment would be. Uh, go get a turtleneck out of your closet and stretch it out over your head and then like drive a spike through it. And that's kind of what we're looking at. So, uh, Sean, in terms of your own personal growth, when are you going to enter your SRAM era? <laughs> what do you think I was doing in lockdown? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, see, I, it could be a good career move. Think about what you're thank doing God, now thank and God think God about nailing your dick to a two by four. Thank what God we could, didn't do these 2020. <laughs> uh I, that wouldn't have been pleasant yeah lockdown while TikTok i was living trends. in an apartment complex <laughs> yeah unable to leave feeling the walls closing in yeah dreaming of running a marathon but also your legs falling off shit <laughs> we've been there we've all been there um yeah I, I don't know do you have any closing thoughts here sean on shram or, or book in general nope he's closed the book he's closed uh, the book I was going to say, Sean, do you think, you know, now that Book Reed has moved on from cinema more or less, uh, he directed some television stuff, he's, he's done some short films. I think he has one other feature length, but mostly now he just does stage plays. And I don't know, given, given his interests and the way his films are composed, I could kind of see that. So do you think the next time maybe you're in Europe, uh, you're hanging out in Berlin, you got to go uh, watch a, a Book Reed play? uh that sounds very romantic um yeah yeah you know, little maybe maybe a little honeymoon at the uh, Bukhari right. theater i mean uh, that's could, right. could you what i i think you're a fucking lunatic if you were if you did not if you were just like waltzing down a street in berlin and saw a big side that was like <laughs> your Bukhari tonight only and you were like <laughs> yeah you, you would have to <laughs> you'd be like all right i, yeah, I, I could have to go about. see this how many dicks am I going to see tonight? All right. Well, Myros, what are your closing thoughts then? Uh, my closing thoughts are don't be put off by this like notion of, of Mr. Necromantic. Like they, this guy who's at the bottom of the extreme films iceberg, like bullshit. Like these aren't easy watches, but you know, again, maybe, maybe, uh, don't really run, get out, go out of your way to see Necromantic or its sequel, especially, but, uh, these other two films, they're more than just baseless shock. They're they're worth seeking out, and uh, mm -hmm. I think Sean would probably admit that if we hadn't just made him watch four of them in a row. But uh, you know, as it goes, the two of these are in my mind like legitimately great films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and like I said too, you know, uh, the big takeaway here is don't yeah don't be intimidated. Sometimes you open up your refrigerator and there's a decaying penis covered in cling wrap and. You know, you might bristle and you might just shut the door. But what I'm asking you to do is pull back that cling wrap and take a big bite. Okay. Because the, the reward is worth it. Sean, what are you putting over this week? You know, uh, I had this movie on my list. Uh, I meant to watch it last year. Didn't get around to it. And then you guys talked about it on the last episode. So I went ahead and watched it as sort of a um, my last hurrah before going into the Bukharit vault. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, so I, I finally got around to Fulci's city of the living dead, 
um, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah. The Maggot and, Cannon. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie that, um, I mean, it has like sort of the staple uh, pros and cons that come with any of like Fulci's like, like five to seven best movies. You know, it has this great propulsion and score and it has just like these scene just these like show stopping scenes of uh you know gore and violence um but uh and, and it also has scenes that drag um or like bad characterization or whatever like that you just don't really care about after so many Fulci films but um but yeah I, I was I was uh I was uh pleasantly not pleasantly surprised I I was um I thought it was very good. Yeah. I mean, God, that, that drill press scene. I don't think I'm ever going to yeah. get that out of my head. That's just like great. Really burned in my brain. Myros, what are you yeah. putting over? Uh, I'm putting over something slight. Uh, I was breaking up my, my boot viewings this weekend with uh, the new Mike Flanagan Netflix thing, uh, which is, it's pretty teeny bopper. It's called the midnight club. Um, it's kind of, what you wish that that fear street thing we covered was like, you know, it's, it's, it's very much like teens telling scary stories, but it's Mike Flanagan. So has that sort of like overwrought, uh, dinner theater, elegant dialogue. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to change your life, but, uh, it's a fun little watch. It's a nice way to spend a, a few hours in October. And Again, you might as well support it because the the whole little Mike Flanagan corner of the horror world is is really the only thing Netflix is doing that's worthwhile. So uh, don't give them an excuse to uh, stop doing them. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know one of the things that I did to to break up the boogery because y- you can't marathon these. I mean, you could, but save your sanity. Uh, I decided to watch the new Hellraiser movie. And if you think I'm putting over the new Hellraiser movie, well, you're wrong. You're absolutely mistaken. I'd say don't watch Hulu Hellraiser. It's not really worth your time. Uh, I'd like, unless you're like, man, I wish they just uh, stripped all the sexuality and intrigue and everything that makes Hellraiser interesting just out of Hellraiser. Steve, we, uh, I, we're going to be talking about this on the Patreon. You should not be giving are, away all your are. thoughts right now. <laughs> I, I, I won't be giving away all my thoughts. I'm just saying, don't don't watch it. But uh, you, but you might say, I, I do want to watch a Hellraiser sequel, Steve. Which one am I going to watch? Am I going to watch Hellraiser 2 or Hellraiser 3 or, you know, one of, one of these Hellraiser films that people actually talk? No, don't do that. I'm saying, why don't you watch the 2005 Hellraiser film, Hellraiser 8, Hellworld? Uh, because it asks the question, you know, what if Pinhead was a gamer online? And that's a question that you probably need answered in your life right now. And it's got Lance Henriksen. It's more entertaining than you think it is. It's a, it's a good time. It's a fun time. It's 90 minutes. It's gamer pinhead. What else do you want in life right now? Probably not much. So Hellraiser Hellworld. It's getting put over. All right. Uh, Myros, one of your favorites too, I'm sure. Uh, it, it is one of the weaker sequels, but uh, still <laughs> s- still worth watching. It's, it's amusing. All right. Well, hey, if you enjoyed the show today, uh, why don't you give us money, huh? Why don't you? Why don't you? There's a link to our Patreon. It's it's in the description of this podcast. How How is Sean going to buy dinner tonight if you don't 
give to our Patreon. He's probably going to eat like a stale crust of bread and some fucking water. Do you want him in some Jean Valjean situation? This motherfucker is going to steal a loaf. He's going to go to jail. And then you're going to have to read a 1200 page book about it. That sounds fucking terrible. What if there's a musical? What if there's people singing? You don't want any of that. So you could avoid all of it just by giving us a couple bucks. And no matter what you donate to the podcast, if you live in the continental United States, I will be sending you a movie from my personal collection in the mail. And if you donate at a higher level, well, you get all kinds of perks. Like you get to vote on uh, future episodes. You get your name read out on the air because you're a special boy or girl. Maros, who are our special people? Uh, we have Koufax, Kropotkin, CWW, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. All heroes. Every single one of them. Uh, now, at an even higher level, you can, you can actually dictate content. You could... You, donate enough money you could say hey i want you guys to do an episode on this that or the other thing and we will do it so many options available to you uh also if you have any questions comments death threats marriage proposals optimismvaccine at gmail.com we would love to hear from you if you got ideas about future episodes if you just want to insult adam myros we love all of those things so send them our way or you could tweet at us at optimism vaccine and uh yeah that'd be great too other than that, no Jakes, there's no last word, but uh, Hellraiser Hellworld, evil goes online.